There are monsters among us, wearing masks of caring humans and doing good deeds to cover their atrocities. Between murders and necrophilia, Ted Bundy would save lives by taking calls at a suicide hotline. While corpses were rotting under his home, John Wayne Gacy would entertain children. And serial killer Gilles DeRay helped lead a holy crusade at the side of Joan of Arc. Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. Old timey crimey. I'm Christy. I'm still sick. <laughs> but getting better. You're I'm on the upswing, sort of. Getting better, kind of, sort of. I feel exactly the same way as I did whenever I was here last week. It's just in between the two of them, it was hell. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I feel like I'm getting kind of sick. I'm in hell. I'm a little sick still. Yeah. So there's just never like a break from it, whether it's in hell or just a little sick. It's always like never feeling normal. No. That's I'm getting to that age where like this would have been something like this would have been like oh three or four days, but now it's like an entire week. Lord, <laughs> sweet death, come rescue me! But you've been doing a lot of 3D printing. Oh, I have. Scott made me a little Yoda. Yeah, baby Yoda. It's so cute. It's hanging out next to Slothy. So we're getting more and more mascots. Right on. <laughs> you keep on 3D printing, we'll have this whole part of the desk completely covered. You know, I'm going to have to see if there's a sloth available someplace. <laughs> oh, 3D sloth. <laughs> 3D sloth. Very, very cute. You know what's not cute? Uh, child murder. Yeah, no, not cute at all. Not cute at all. So we are doing Gilles Doré uh, this week. This is a suggestion uh, sent to us on the Old Timey Crimey Gmail from Christian Gemmon. I hope I pronounced that right. Christian! I know Christian! You know Chris. <laughs> I know Christian! I didn't know you knew this! Yeah! <laughs> Christian is an old drumming student of mine. Oh, okay, awesome! Yeah! Alright. Hey, Christian! I'm glad you're listening, buddy! Yeah, thank you, Christian, and... Everybody else, be like Christian. Send us suggestions at oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com or on our various social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter. There <laughs> it is. There was one more uh, where we were oldtimeycrimey in all of them. And if you need to know how to spell it, well, look at the podcast that you're listening to. Mm-hmm. That should help. O-L-D-T-I-M-E-Y-C-R-I-M-E-Y. Gilles de Ray, he was a baron. He was a knight and a lord. He was a soldier in the Hundred Years' War. He did it all, goddammit. He did it all. Even the stuff he really shouldn't have done. Producer, director. (laughs) Executive producer. Star, composer. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that too. Um, He's a regular Tommy Wiseau of evil. (laughs) Wait, does that mean Tommy Wiseau is good? In that analogy, it does, yes. I'm not buying it. Yeah. (laughs) So he fought side by side with Joan of Arc. And he also murdered over 100 children. Probably, maybe. Probably. Probably, maybe. Yeah. It's uh, it's another one of those cases. Now, this is, uh, this is, I think, the furthest back we've gone in history as far as, you know, like we... Possibly Sonny Bean. Sonny Bean seemed to be late 15th century, and this is, he's, he's born in, in the early 15th century, and then, you know... Spoiler alert, dies before the century is even halfway through. Yeah. So I think it's it's technically, it really depends on Sonny Bean, but most of what I saw for Sonny Bean was late 15th, early 16th. So I, I think we've gone back. This is the furthest we've gone back. Ooh. Very exciting. And he's possibly the first serial killer in recorded history. 
I, I there's feel, a distinction you want. <laughs> I feel like there's probably somebody before him. Recorded history. Yeah, because, you know, before this, before this, anybody who did this kind of atrocity, they kind of went, he's a werewolf. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You know, yeah, 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 he's a vampire. Vampire, yeah, they went straight to the supernatural. So uh, he was born in 1404 at the one of the family castles at Chantelchet-sur-Loire. This is where all that French traveling is going to pay off. <laughs> sort of. I do actually, some things I looked up pronunciations for them and then wrote it out sort of phonetically in I my see. notes. So I'm cheating a little bit. Now his, his father was Guy Ildon Montmorency dash Laval. Mm -hmm. And his mother was Mary. <laughs> Marie. Marie de Crayon. Marie de Crayon. Marie de Crayon. With, with a 64 pack with a little sharpener in the back. Ooh, that was the best one. Oh, God. You know what I used to do with crayons? What's that? We had a wood stove in my house uh, when I was growing up, and I used to sit right next to it because I love being warm. Mm -hmm. I would sit next to it until my, my the side of, of my leg was red. And I would sit there and read, but I, I would also... Uh, Sit there and take crayons and melt them all over the back. So the entire back of it was like covered in like squiggles, melting squiggles. I was fascinated by it. I didn't understand whenever I was younger what the appeal was with like the sixty-four, the sixty-four boxes because you know I I it's like oh look at all these collars, and I didn't know I was colorblind until yeah, I was in the sixth grade. So it was that like would be kind of useless to you. Yeah, yeah, it was just, oh. Sad. I guess I'll just sharpen these because that's fun. Well, uh, Gilles de Ray, he, he wasn't uh, colorblind. Uh, he was a very smart and accomplished child. He was fluent in Latin. Uh, he read and illustrated illuminated manuscripts. And he studied military discipline and also moral and intellectual development. Should have done a little bit more of that last one, the moral development. A little That's... bit more would have been good. And he kind of had a crappy childhood despite all this, this, this learning, this book learning that he was doing. Both of his parents died when he was around 11. Um, his father died in a hunting accident. He was gored by a boar. And there are some reports that say that DeRay might have actually seen this happen. Oh my God, that's yeah. a that's a traumatic incident. That'll stick with you for yeah. sure. And uh, they didn't have real great therapy in the 1400s. Surprise, shock. Yeah. They, you know, they didn't have it in the in the most of the 1900s. I, I, I'd like to think there was some like like 14th century equivalent of of like Sigmund Freud going like, so whenever your father was gored, do you understand why you got the erection? <laughs> oh <laughs> no. <laughs> So, and then his mother, Marie de Crayon, uh, 64 pack, she died of unknown causes. There's no real mention of it. I'm thinking childbirth, plague, being a woman in 1415. Yeah. All of those are deadly, especially the last one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so he. You is... are a frail species. Yes, we are. And uh, it was it was a rough times then, as far as medicine was concerned, and childbirth and all that fun stuff. So uh, she, he was sent. DeRay was sent to live with his maternal grandfather, Jean de Crayon. <laughs> God, yes, I know. Jean de Creole. Then there's no other way to pronounce it either. Like, I know. I tried to look up pronunciation of, and it's spelled just so you guys know. It's spelled C R A O N. Like minus and the when, Y. When you look that up, you get how to pronounce crayon, as yeah. in the coloring tool. So no luck there. So we're just going with Jean de Crayon. Jean de Crayon. I can say that all day. I hope that like the Crayon family, all dressed in like. Like I like identical clothing but different collars. 
that would be awesome. Yeah. They, if they didn't, that was a real missed opportunity. Absolutely. So. The cra- wait, wait, wait. Do we know where the word crayon comes from? I have no idea. Do you think maybe this family? I mean. Let's look up the etymology of the word crayon. Sure. Because, I mean, now that I stop and think about it, that's a little bit weird of a word for a dyed wax stick. <laughs> uh, 1640s from French crayon, spelled C-R-A-Y-O-N, which is pencil. So, uh, yeah, I guess. Jean de pencil. Jean de pencil. <laughs> he's a shot man. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes he's dull. <laughs> so, uh, oh, man. So the crayon kept trying to hook DeRay up with these young, rich, noble girls. He was 12. He was 12, and one of these girls was four. So, uh, yeah, there's that. And finally succeeded in matching him with Catherine de Tua of Brittany. And she was stood to inherit La Vendée and Poitou. Which, these are not just, like, castles or some little tracts of land. These are big, huge tracts Tracks of, of land. land. Like, and... double D, tracts of <laughs> land. Maybe even a G cup. La Vendée is actually part of what used to be Poitou. And Poitou was almost 20,000 square kilometers, which would be uh, 76,010 square miles. Holy shit, that is the Daphne Rosen of uh, of tracts of land. I don't know who that is. Daphne Rosen is a porn star with huge breasts. I probably assumed that. <laughs> huge tracts of land. Massive. Look up Daphne Rosen. You'll thank me. Later on, after she got the implants. Oh, oh there you have it. Oh, and also, possibly, uh, the Crayon and Deray abducted Catherine de Tuar on horseback in order to secure the marriage. Which, you know, I mean, there's there's asking out on a date, and then there's just, you know, swinging by on horseback and grabbing a girl and taking her back to your castle to make her marry you. There's, there's, there's different ways of, of, of doing it. And I would say none of them are wrong, but one of them is definitely wrong. I feel like this may be where I've been making my mistakes in my dating life. You Get know, a horse, I, Scott. Get a horse. I need a horse. And a rich grandfather. And a rich grandfather. Well, there's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, if you had the rich grandfather, he could buy you the horse because they're not cheap. No, no. I feel like I, I feel like I'm going in for kidnapping somebody. I feel like I could probably steal the horse. I feel like that's the lesser crime. Why not just do two and one? That is true. Yeah, you may as well. I mean, why not? I mean, if I want to make it really bad, I'll just marry the horse. <laughs> then that's a step too far. The, no. <laughs> Are, do, what what are you looking at here? <laughs> so you're saying that if I fuck a horse while I'm married to it, that's that's worse than kidnapping? No, I kind of disagree. I'm not. Both are horrible in their own way. <laughs> yes. But I'm saying, in the grand scheme of things, maybe fucking a horse is slightly better than kidnapping a child to force her to marry me. I was being sarcastic. I know, but I need, I need to, I need to understand the the hierarchy of evil that we're dealing with here. So, the hierarchy of evil is my, actually, uh, elevator music band. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like that. So, uh, Catherine and uh, DeRay had one child, Marie, in 1429. So he had quite the military career DeRay did, as you have probably guessed from all the little Joan of Arc reference there yeah. and Hundred Years' War and all that fun stuff. 
1420, at just 16 years old, he helped free Duke John VI after he was taken prisoner by the Blois faction. Uh, you can say that all day. Blois. 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 In a scuffle over the Duchy of Brittany. It was a real douchey douchey. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I swear to God, the French language is just elegant grunts. Yeah. <laughs> Douchey is a special one. Yeah. And he got, uh, in reward for this, he got some land grants that were converted into money, which we would find that he would, uh, that, that was a big thing for him later on. How do you convert land into money that quickly? I'd, I'd be noble. And noble and, and rich and have connections and just be able to do whatever you what the hell you want. Do you think back in the 1400s they had ads like we have today? Convert your gold into money. <laughs> Maybe like I don't know, on a horse, the side of a horse. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, is your kidnapped wife just causing too much? Why don't you just convert that land into money? Yeah. Everything will be fine. So in 1425, he's introduced to the court of Charles the Seventh and. As we mentioned before, he's a pretty smart guy. He basically just watches the Dauphin, which is essentially a prince, uh, to learn how to act at court. He learned courtly manners. Now, courtly manners are basically, these are edicts and etiquette and sometimes unspoken codes. And really, you might say, you know, it's stuff like in, in modern day, knowing which fork to use at a multi-course meal, stuff like that. Um, and really the whole point of them is to sort of alienate the, the mercantile class, which was on the up and up at the time mm -hmm. and alienate them and distinguish them from the nobility. The nobility were like, okay, if you don't follow these rules, many of which are unspoken, then you must not be one of us. So it was a way to set themselves apart and know who was who sort of, which. Did you see how that loathsome man held his pinky out? Extended at a 45 degree angle instead of the full 90 whenever eating his cucumber sandwich with the crust removed. That plebeian fool. Jesus Christ. Fucking letting barbarians in here. <laughs> so, and this type of thing, it, it doesn't stop. This is, this is a continual thing in societies all over. Labor Day. The idea that you're not supposed to wear white past Labor Day. Um, that's one of the many rules of dress and behavior that high society in the 1800s established to distinguish themselves and distinguish between old money and those, you know, yucky new money people. And plus, you know, if you were the working poor in the city, it's all dirty there. You're not going to wear white, but you know, rich bastards in the Hamptons, they're not toiling away. They're not, they're barely even lifting a finger. They're not going to get dirty so they can wear white. And was that, that rule was set in place to, you know, sort of distinguish if you follow that rule, then you must be one of us. I am going to say this. You are not going to believe this, but this still happens to this day. <laughs> they, I work for a cable and internet provider. That is the job that I use to pay the bills. I consider myself a music teacher and a podcaster. Mm -hmm. I don't consider myself a customer care rep. This mm -hmm. is what I'm doing to pay the bills. Whenever we get a call from Connecticut or New Hampshire, mm. I can almost guarantee they're going to speak down to me. And I can almost guarantee that they do not even know how to unplug <laughs> A device. Oh my God. And I'm not kidding. Cause a lot of times here's what we need to do. We need to unplug that for 30 seconds and we need to plug it back in. Mm -hmm. It's a modem, right? Yeah. Everybody knows your modem is not working. Unplug it for 30 seconds and plug it back in. Yeah. 
No. No. Not only do they not realize that you need to reboot a modem, but they also do not know about plugs. Oh, my That's God. That's shit for the maids to do. That's insane. And I, I cannot count. I have been told countless times, fix it from your end. Ma'am, I cannot go and unplug stuff. So yes, whenever whenever you're going like oh this to, to distinguish ourselves, yes, it still happens to this day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely to this day. Yeah, there's always there's always these social codes in place. So in 1427, uh, well, from 1427 to 1435, he was a commander in the royal army. He gets onto the battlefield. He's he's known as being pretty reckless, but absolutely fearless and and very skilled uh, with a sword as well. So that really helped him out. And then 1429, so two years into his commandership, something. Okay, that's a word. I mean, military tenure. Yeah, two two years into his military tenure. Um, well, technically, when you know he helped free Duke John the Sixth in 1420, so it could be nine years. But as being a commander, he uh, Joan of Arc is she's the she's the hot new hotness, and so the Dauphin and regent for Charles the Sixth. Uh, who would go on to be Charles the Seventh, of course? He tells the Ray, you know, I need you to, I need you to be basically her bodyguard. I need you to be by her side in battle, be her protector, help Joan of Arc survive this. And they fought together in several battles, including the lifting of the siege of Orleans. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is a big deal. The Siege of Orleans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is an incredibly big deal. And insanity works really well on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. One of the best things you can do on the battlefield is be insane. Have you ever heard of Mad Jack? I don't think so. For a second, we'll take just a little bit of a break here. Google Mad Jack Normandy. There is a picture of Mad Jack Churchill um, striding the beach of Normandy with a fucking English Claymore sword at his side. Do you see the sword? Oh, I see the sword, yeah. Oh my god, right? Oh my god. He is, I think he's the last man to have actually stabbed somebody and killed somebody in battle with a sword. Wow. Yeah. Mad Jack indeed. Yes. So yeah, this Siege of Orléans, it went on from October 12th, 1428 to May 8th, 1429. Basically, the point is to try to, like, either either starve a city out or just get them frustrated with their rulers and so they revolt or whatever. And this was considered the military turning point of the Hundred Years' War, even though it would go on for another 24 years and wasn't actually 100 years, it was 116. Well, three whatever. quarters of the way done. <laughs> yes, yes, we're almost done. We, we could use a turning point here. Um, and just for a little a little quick history lesson... The Hundred Years' War was between the House of Plantagenet, uh, the, the English rulers, and the House of Valois in France. That was uh, a fight for the leadership, a uh, rulership of France. This included five generations of kings. Jesus. And lasted from 1337 to 1453. So technically the 116 years, four months, three weeks, and four days war. You, you've got to sit back and realize, like, after five generations, probably some of these people don't even fucking remember why, it's why, why the fighting is here. It's just, we've always, we've always been at war with Oceana. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And yet, 
the Plantagenets would start up the War of the Roses in 1455. So two years after the Hundred Years' War ended, it just it just it never ends. This constant, constant battle for power and and rulership and, and lands and and everything. Gee, it must be horrible to do that. Korea, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq. Yeah, must be real hell to go through something like that. But to imagine. Basically, like your entire life, there were entire people who many, many people whose entire lives were during a period of active warfare in their their area. I mean, the battles, you know, went from one place to another, and sometimes there, you know, there were course breaks in between. But, but basically, your whole life was just war. Pretty, pretty horrible. Um, I don't know. You, you, you've never met my family, so <laughs> I feel, I feel for them. Feel, <laughs> not my family, but the people who grew up in the middle of war. Yeah, I yeah. feel for them. So on July 17th, 1429, uh, they're coronating uh, Charles VII. I'm almost certain. Uh, and <laughs> didn't write that little bit down. He was one of four lords, he being DeRay, picked for the honor of bringing the Holy Ampula, which basically... No, that's not a thing. The Holy a, Ampula? The Holy Ampula. That's what you say like late at night, 3 a.m., whenever you had to pee and you stub your little toe on the side of the toilet. Oh, you, Holy, Holy Ampula. Ampula. Jesus Christ. So, which is funny because, you know, they basically, it, it is a very a religious slash uh, regal item, you could say. It holds the anointing oil for coronating kings. And so they take it from the one cathedral to another. It's a glass vial. It's basically an 18-minute walk with four dudes holding a glass vial. How exciting. What what a day. Never going to forget the day that we walked 18 miles with a glass vial full of oil for, you know, a, a, another dude. Why? <laughs> it's very... Some rituals and traditions are so damn silly, you know? They're just so weird. Like, sometimes you, you sit back and you think... Why do we do this? And I would like to think that one of those four hopefully had the sense to at least for a flash, at least for one split second on that walk, that 18-mile walk, sorry, 18-minute walk, think, why do we do this? Do yeah. You, do you not? I don't know. Earl, my feet hurt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're like the holy cast. We, why do we need to walk this? Eight, does the 18-minute walk symbolize something, Earl? <laughs> it's just, is this is this different from other oils? Could we just use some olive oil and they wouldn't tell the difference? I mean, you know, this oil. I'm sure they have oil where we're going, and yeah. I mean, we're priests. I mean, if we bless this oil, can't we just bless well, some of the lords. oil? They're lords. Still, we can I, pretend to be priests, I right? I mean, nobody's I mean, gonna know the difference. I is do. the thing. I do, man. I think we we got the robes. <laughs> just make that little tea. Across everything and everything. Exactly, fine. the little T. So on the same day, he is made, DeRay is made a Marshal of France. This is the, uh, technically the highest military distinction, which is not rank. It's distinction. They're two different things. It's awarded to generals for extraordinary accomplishment. And what they get, uh, a Marshal gets seven stars on each shoulder strap. A baton, that baton during the monarchy had a fleur-de-lis on it, and during the first French Empire it had eagles on it. And the baton has the inscription in Latin, Terror Belli Decius Pacis, which means terror in war, ornament in peace. That's and... it? Seven stars and a baton? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can print that shit out. You should. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you really should. I think yeah. we have your next printing project. There we go. <laughs> so, um, 1431... Joan of Arc dies at the ripe old age of 19. I wouldn't say die 
Executed. Executed. Is executed at the cooked. ripe old age of 19. Yes, very much cooked. She was burned at the stake. DeRay is said to have been at Louvier, which is about 17 miles from where Joan of Arc was burned. And he had an, an army uh, during his her trial. And it's unknown whether he tried to go and save her or whether he planned to and just didn't get there in time. We really don't know what happened. Far enough away to make it inconvenient, but close enough to enjoy the pleasant aroma. Oh, yes. Baking 19-year-old girl. There's gonna. It's the it's, new candle from really Yankee is. Candle. It's it the is. new scent. <laughs> Smell, smells a lot like pork chops. Yum. Mm-hmm. So uh, in, around 1434, 35, DeRay retires from the military and he heads back to his estate in western France. He just kind of, he withdraws from the public and he pursues construction of the Chapel of Holy Innocence. Yeah. And also a production of Le Mystère des Siges d'Orléans. All right, let's separate these two. Okay. Let's talk, uh, I couldn't really get any timeline as to which came first, so let's do the Le Mystère des Siges d'Orléans Holy shit. Wow. This, This was ridiculous. This was a play based on the Siege of Orléans. 20,000 lines of verse. 140 speaking parts. 600 walk-on parts, mm-hmm. in addition to those. 500 extras. This was the Avengers Endgame of its time, really. They, they had to have new costumes in expensive materials for every performance. You know, nope, nope, you can't use the one you used last week. You have to have a new one. Mm-hmm. You sweated. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, he it, it cost tens of millions of dollars in modern money. We don't have a figure... He probably wasn't keeping a real strict ledger, as we'll see. He was not great with the money. And uh, he might have even written him himself and written him himself apart. We don't know for sure. And uh, I, I do question, as we come upon some other items of interest, uh, whether it was a ritual of some kind or... It's, it's, you know. a shame. it's a shame that a copy of this doesn't exist today. Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, uh, 20,000 lines. And it was in Joan of Arc's honor. I don't know if we mentioned that or not. Um, but yeah, this, this was basically a, a huge production to honor Joan of Arc. So you can see how much, uh, her death hit him that he needed to spend tens of millions of dollars to honor her. So, and, uh, so the, the, the chapel, I do have a, a date for this around 1433. He had this constructed quote for the bliss of his soul. And uh, as you said, it was the Chapel of the Holy Innocence. Uh, and I, d- I did a little looking around. The story of the Holy Innocence was very popular in Europe at that time. Uh, it was taken from a few verses of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 2, verse 16 to 18. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and set forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So, hey, look, kill lots of children. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you know about that? What do you know? And for each opening of the church... Fresh children needed to be killed. Same with the uniforms. <laughs> Fresh children. Fresh children. And speaking of children, he hand-selected the boys' choir. And I have literally in my notes, fucking yikes. Yeah. Literally, like, all caps, yikes, too, there. And it was, uh, the church was also hugely extravagant. He had 30 permanent staff. There were solid gold ornaments. The staff was just very richly dressed in, in you know, various, like, rich robes and everything. 
he was pretty, pretty bonkers. And his family members were not thrilled that yeah. he was spending all that money. His, his family goes to Pope Eugene the fourth and it said they went, look, he is selling property to, to build this church. He, he's bankrupting the family. He's doing this thing where he has to do 600 costumes each time new for each showing of this play at the play. He's giving unlimited free food and drink to anyone who's there. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so like the audience that's there, it's like this play shit, but these chicken tendies are good (laughs) as hell. Do you have the margarita? It is so good. That is the best margarita I've ever had. Hand me another Mountain Dew that won't be invented for another 450 (laughs) years. This shit's the bomb. Are Look those at, little wieners? Are those cocktail wieners? No, don't eat those. <laughs> no, don't eat those. Do don't not eat no, those. No. I don't know eat, something. Stay away from the cocktail wieners. I know something you don't know. Um, and the 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 Pope in an amazing display of of, uh, of of kindness and charity towards the family went. No, I want the money. <laughs> it's what a surprise. We're I'm the shocked. church. His grandfather, good old Jean de Crayon. Uh, he died, uh, you know, he has a cousin named uh, Jean de Vermilion. No. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> his, uh, so his grandfather, Dory's grandfather, died in 1432. He left his sword and his breastplate to DeRay's younger brother, which is, I'm sure, a slight. If that kind of information lasts through 600 years of recorded history. Yeah. Ish. That's a slight. That's definitely like, I'm not happy with you. But DeRay still, through the laws of inheritance, got uh, the crayons, lands, and fortune in Sharpener. Um, <laughs> it just never ends. Thank you. <laughs> that left DeRay with one of the biggest personal fortunes in all of France. This guy was rich. Yeah. He, was, he was Jeff Bezos. Uh, which now Amazon's never going <laughs> to sponsor us because I just compared their founder to a pedophile and child killer. Okay, I, I will I will put it to you this way. I will put it to you this way. So Jeff Bezos, one of the richest men in the world, gets it through Amazon. Do you know who the richest woman in the world is? Hmm. It's his ex-wife. For divorcing oh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I do love Jeff Bezos. I think I told you why I love Jeff. You've Bezos. told me, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just in case you're new, just in case you're new and, and and haven't heard this before, I love the whole concept of Jeff Bezos. Here you have a man who is like incredibly wealthy. He could give away nine tenths of his fortune, still have enough money left over to buy the ten most expensive residences and the largest conceptual yacht. And the yacht hasn't even been built. It's just a concept. It's a concept. Because it's so expensive. Exactly. (laughs) You need the money. And he could have himself serviced by legal prostitutes for the rest of his life and not run out of money. But he still can't fix that fucked up eye of his. That one eye that looks like he's half asleep (laughs) just on the right side. He's fucked. And it's beautiful because no amount of money will ever fix that. It's beautiful. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I point and laugh at your fucked up eye. (laughs) (laughs) So unlike Bezos that we know of, DeRay started going occult to fix this little financial situation, which I know that my financial advisor told me 
if you're having money trouble, go to an alchemist or and or a sorcerer. That'll get you out of that financial hole. This is sound advice, and maybe I need a new financial advisor. I think in the modern times, this would be akin to going to a faith healer. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... Uh, there was a particular alchemist named Francois Prelati. He was a clerk from Tuscany. Very, very highly educated, which impressed DeRay, of course. Fluent in Latin, which would, of course, be right up his alley, too. Honestly, it's the preferred language of demons. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And he also, uh, Prelati had a familiar named Baron. The demon Baron. But he prefers Barry. He's very informal. Very. Yeah, he's a chill demon. Yeah. Um, I like to think you summon him. You you summon him. Hey, how's it going? What you need? (laughs) I'm here. I'm here to help. I'm here to help. help. And then I'm here to party. Yes. I'm here to help. I'm here to party. So uh, what are we thinking here, Christy? What, what, What are you? Why am I here? You tell me why I'm here. I think that you, Barry... Thank you. Are here to tell uh, Monsieur DeRay over here okay. that he needs to give me some money. Ooh. But, Monsieur you know, DeRay. here's the thing. Okay. You don't actually ever show up in his presence. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, he's in the next room and you need to tell me that he needs to give me money and then I'll relay that message because he's not allowed to see you. I mean, I can just give him a call on my cell phone. No, 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 no. I can't have him know that, you know, you... Giving him tangible proof that you exist, I would never do that. I would never stoop to that level with such a smart man. I see, I see. So it's like the whole God thing. I I can't give you proof that I exist. You have to go on faith. Exactly. Yes, you, Demon Barry, and and, uh, an alchemist familiar, and God, right on the same level. Just Barry. You don't have to call me Demon Barry. It sounds like the name of some sort of wicked cereal. Barry? Yeah, thank you. No, you're my fucking familiar. Oh, I will fuck. call you whatever I want. Demon Barry. No, I'm leaving. No, okay, you leave. I'm going to go tell the No, Ray. I'm staying now. <laughs> you told me to leave. Fuck this. I'm staying now. We are going to need to go to a counselor and no. hash this out. Maybe buy some books on, on relationships on I've got, Amazon. <laughs> I've got a great counselor. His name's Astaroth. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, did you like a little play acting there. <laughs> so... Basically, the, the, as we kind of hinted at there, B- B- Demon Baron. Demon Baron. Demon Barry never came when DeRay was around. And Demon Barry also demanded several times that DeRay give Prelati money, which DeRay would then do. Well, Demon Barry says I have to. It's basically he, it's the Nigerian email the, the, scammer, or Nigerian prince of his day. Yeah. <laughs> Dear... <laughs> Dear Jills DeRay, <laughs> you do not know me, but you are my last living relative. I am a Nigerian prince. Nigeria is the 10th level of hell, <laughs> which from what I understand is pretty fucking accurate in the modern day. Speaking of hell, children start going missing. Oh, Demon Barry has appetites. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to give the guy what he wants. He's a familiar. He's a demon. It's pretty easy for this to go unnoticed because, A, it's the 1400s, and also the nobility would take in children as servants or pages, So, and then the, the parents would never see them again. So... They would just assume, oh, my, my kid's up at, at you know, Baron DeRay's house being his servant, not knowing that the child was actually missing. But well, some families did start to hear rumors. 
And then there was, you know, they would say, like, I sent my, my children begging to DeRay's castle, and they never came back. See, Elizabeth Bathory got away for it for oh, a yeah. long time, yeah. too. Oh, we're going to have to hit that up sometime. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's yeah. that's a heavy hitter. That's Eliz- a heavy hitter. For those that don't know, Elizabeth Bathory who had a taste for blood so severe that it was like entire cities were just depopulated mm-hmm. of of virgin girls yeah. because she would drain them and bathe in their blood because she thought it gave her youth. A lot of old vampire stories are based around the Bathory story. Yeah, yeah. It's oof, that's that is a heavy hitter. That's a yeah. that's not a deep cut. It's not a light topic. So basically and, and another thing is that even if you heard a rumor about children growing, going missing or you suspected that your child had gone missing, you're you're a peasant. You don't have the social status to do anything about it or if you did do something about it, what about retribution, you know, from these very powerful people? So it, it took a while. In 1437, witnesses say they saw his servants disposing of dozens of children's bodies at one of his castles. Dozens. And I have to say about this, that fucker who probably in this day and age wouldn't know what a plug was, mm-hmm. wouldn't even take care of the damn bodies himself. Made his servants do it. No, no, he, he would not. He would not. It was... God, the... And it gets into some graphic detail here later on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When the trial comes, especially. Yeah, but, I mean, we're talking, we're talking, like, the first documented case. And this is just the first documented case. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a 12-year-old boy named Judon, who was an apprentice to the furrier uh, Guillaume Hiroé. God, I hope I'm... I'm pronouncing that right. So, Gilles de Ray's cousins, uh, Gilles de Cille and Roger de Brickville, asked the furrier to have Jodan take a message to Gilles. So, <laughs> Judon doesn't return, and they all claim ignorance, and they theorize, oh, maybe thieves got him, and thieves are working him, or, you know what, there's highwaymen out there. Yeah, yeah highwaymen. Highway maybe, maybe Demon Barry came by and was hungry? No, no, because Demon Barry's going to squeal. Yeah. He's very going to squeal. He's a squealer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know a squealer whenever I see one. And I look over there at Demon Barry with his Ray-Bans on. His fucking, and his, his baby blue button-up shirt. Oh my God, is Demon Barry Tom Cruise? <laughs> I'm thinking, I was going for khaki shorts with cargo pants, you know. Oh, cargo, yeah, yeah. Shorts over the cargo pants because he is a fucking demon. And sandals with socks. Oh, mm-hmm. what a demon. Yes. So do you have any other particular cases uh, of this to hit? Or mm-hmm. should we just go straight to kidnapping a priest? Let's go straight to kidnapping the priest. That's basically our, our ethos here. Yeah. Uh, at Old Timey Crimey. Let's go straight to kidnapping a priest. Hey, everybody. Hey. So May of 1440, <laughs> as you may have guessed, he kidnapped a priest, DeRay did. This is actually unrelated to the murders. The priest was at a church of Saint-Étienne de Mémont. See, once again, French is nothing but pleasant guttural sounds. And I... It's, well, it's not guttural necessarily. I wouldn't say it's guttural. No, it's from the back of the throat. It's it is a, from the back of the throat, but huh? I, think huh? of, I think of German as guttural. No, German is harsh. German is German harsh. Is harsh. Yeah, that's true. But no, it's like the church <laughs> of... Welcome to the old-timey oh, 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 criticizing oh. language podcast. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so... Um, and in French, they also, they, they, of course, they say it really fast. Uh, so it would be Church of Saint-Yon de Memo. 
And, <laughs> and I'm very proud of myself that I managed to do that because I normally can't. See, I, I have a good friend who is Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we've Por- talked about yeah. that. that how, how it, it's, just, it's so fast that it sounds like one syllable. Exactly. Yeah. Everything is just... And it, it honestly, it feels like a lot of like the Puerto Rican that I'm I'm listening to sounds a lot like Latin from the yeah. church. Just like very, that rapid fire. Some of the Patres of Felis Espiritu Sanctus. Well, it's 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 a Romance language. Exactly. It, it, well, Italian, Spanish, and French are Romance languages, and Puerto Rican, I feel, has has, has very strong Spanish roots. So maybe an offshoot of a Rom- I don't know if, how we classify it. I'm not a linguist. But but yeah, it's it's that same idea that it comes from Latin, so it has a lot of the same root words, a lot of the same patterns. And the thing is, is that we say, oh, they talk really fast, but somebody who doesn't know our language listening to me talking right now would probably think I'm talking fast. Yeah, that's true. So, that is true. And I do talk actually pretty fast sometimes. I'm trying to slow it down. So Have he, you tried marijuana? Uh, it makes me paranoid. Really? <laughs> oh, so paranoid. So paranoid. What if it was legal? I mean, if it was if it were legal at the federal level, okay, I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to try it until it was legal at the federal level. And then I would try it if it was, you know, like different strains that they had tested for different things. And I would give it a shot for sure in a safe environment. See, I would picture you. And I've never tried marijuana. If my mom is listening, <laughs> <laughs> I would picture Hi, you mom. just with that look on your face—the same look that they have, like whenever Elon Musk smoked pot on the camera. <laughs> mm, well, yeah. <laughs> I have smoked marijuana several times. I, not I, recently. Not I recently. haven't. I've oh. never smoked marijuana. It's the devil's electric lettuce. <laughs> it was a very, very long time ago. I got it from Barry. I got it from Barry. Well, <laughs> if it's the devil's electric lettuce from Demon Barry, that's okay. Have you tried this, Scott? <laughs> take, a, take a hit at this. It'll fucking knock your dick off and into the party tray. Speaking of things that are illegal, yes. back to kidnapping a priest. Um, this priest uh, held the keys to a chateau that the Ray had sold to the priest's brother. So, to just kind of clear up that timeline, DeRay sells the chateau to the priest's brother. The priest's brother gives the keys to the priest, and DeRay's like, you know, you've heard of buyer's remorse? I got seller's remorse. I wish I hadn't done that. So you know what I'm going to do? Instead of being a reasonable human being, I'm going to kidnap the guy. I'm going to take him prisoner in the actual chateau. And, uh, oh, by the way, I'm going to burst in either during or after mass. Accounts vary. Sources vary wildly. Oh, that was horrible. No, I'm no, gonna... no. That was okay. Oh, okay. Right. That was okay. You're the music teacher. I'll trust you. But there we uh, go. I'm going to listen to this like in a couple days and be like, oh, God. Take it out, Scott. So... <laughs> Um, he burst into the church with a double-edged battle axe. Jesus. My favorite detail is when somebody appears with a double-edged battle axe. New on the PlayStation 4. <laughs> I was so excited. Jackson wanted, um, we were watching Game of Thrones one time, and somebody shows up with like a double-edged battle axe, and Jackson's like, I want one like that. And, you know, he does a lot of outside work and, and, and you know, cutting down branches and such, so I was like steel or some sort of metal is our next anniversary yeah. thing so i'll get him a double edge you know it's just a small thing it's like hatchet size but right. it's double edge but the day that i went to pick it up from lowe's there was this couple in front of me that was returning 50 some like fixtures for you know like knobs and such for cabinets and uh-huh. they had had to do it one by one by one and i was under a lot of stress because it was like the first day of school in grad school like the second year and my computer had like freaked out on me that morning when I was trying to download the syllabi, which are my Bible, and everything was horrible. And I was just like, 
I'm going to leave and I'm going to go sit in my car and I'm going to think about not killing people with the axe that they're I was, to give me. I was going to say one problem could solve the other. I know, right? I basically yeah. was like standing there and I was like, they really shouldn't give me this. <laughs> I was feeling a little murderous. This episode of Old Timey Crimey is sponsored by Lashbinder. The world's quickest, easiest, and safest tool to apply strip lashes is here. It was created by celebrity makeup artist Cassandra McClure after hundreds of her clients complained of the same problem. So she developed a tool that is easy enough for five-year-olds. Lashbinder is a discreet applicator that will have your lashes on in under a minute. It's designed with a soft silicone tip and a firm grip so that you can measure the lashes to fit your lash line before applying glue, and it can dry the lashes hands-free. You only need one lash binder because it comes with a lifetime warranty. Ready for the best part? For each tool you invest in, Lash Binder donates one to a cancer patient that has lost her lashes to chemotherapy. Anybody who has ever fought cancer or helped a loved one fight cancer knows how important it is. The self-confidence. That self-confidence, it's a huge boost. Use our code OLDTIMEYCRIMY for $5 off your first order at LashBinder.com and get your lash on and help someone fighting an immense fight get their lash on as well. That's code OLDTIMEYCRIMY at LashBinder.com. of Nantes (laughs) investigated uh, after the whole kidnapping a priest thing. He could could really get involved here. And they came up with some evidence of DeRay's activities. So 30 men go to uh, DeRay's, one of his castles, uh, and they arrest him and two of his manservants, Poitou and Henriette. Uh, on September 1440. And this happens without any sort of incident. It's a very smooth operation, even though DeRay had an army of about 200 just hanging out. He could have brought his army and just, like, laid waste to these 30 men and be done with it, or at least, you know, temporarily so. But he just, okay, all right, yes, yes, officer, put the cuffs on me. Do you think it was kind of a situation where he went, you know what, I'm running out of money. And, uh, I've killed a lot of people. Uh, fuck it. I think it was probably more like a case of he didn't really think about the running out of money thing and had always relied on his money. So he's like, I got plenty of money. Money buys its way out of everything. I got this. I don't need to resort to violence when I have money. This is true. Money gets you out of a lot of things. Or, you know, an alchemist or a sorcerer or mm-hmm. something like that because he believed in all that shit, too. But money will not keep you from getting suicided in a prison cell if your last name is Epstein. Yes, yes. So, um, and the cousins that you mentioned, they had scampered off. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so he, the charges were murder, sodomy, heresy sometimes witchcraft is included in there sometimes pedophilia but that can be also mixed up with sodomy kidnapping is not ever mentioned kidnapping a priest the original thing that got there didn't be like oh we can investigate nope no it's nowhere it's, that's funny to me i feel like you know ah, 
this is enough. Everything, anything else is overkill. That's true. That's true. But kidnapping a priest, I mean, the uh, the, the Catholic Church, we're going to get into some, you know, how important this re- religion was at the time, you know, and it still remains, but how, how important it was to people. It's really surprising that the thing that they finally were like, oh, well, he's kidnapped some children. Probably there's some rumors and everything and killed them, maybe. We don't know. Probably like sexually assaulted them beforehand, but eh, we don't know. But <gasps> he kidnapped a priest. Call the Bishop of Nantes. An investigation must begin anon. Now. <laughs> Do it now. He's touched us instead of us touching children. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? There you go. The, the church was probably like, you're, you're good with the with the children. Duncan. 100 to 600 children dead, and we're supposed to do what about that? What do you mean he took Jim? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he took Jim and put him in the du- the the dungeon? Oh, no, 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 no. This shall not no. stand. No. Uh, Steve, Earl, I need you to just like take a pitchfork and get rid of these bodies so that I can get a path to this man. We're, we're, we're straightening this out right now. Can I just say, God, it feels good to be back. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I was looking so forward to this, and it has lived up to expectations. Oh, I miss this so much. So, um, And there were trials by both the secular and the ecclesiastical court. So two trials, you know, one by the law and one by the church. And by the way, there there's many paintings of many things involving this. I'm going to have a ton to put up on social media. But there is one of one of the trials where basically everybody's just kind of randomly holding out a hand and gesturing like it's almost Vanna White style. Like, like you've got four people in that and three of them are holding their hands out in the same way. I really feel like this painter had a, a thing and he relied on it. He was like, this is my thing. People hold their hand out like this. You know, I, I, like, like slightly to the side as if they're gesturing to something that's on the floor and about three feet tall. I feel, I feel like what it more along the lines was. Jill's up there and they go, what'd you do? And he would, well, I, uh, the child was about, I took, I took the boy, I dressed him, pampered him in the best clothes he'd ever had. I gave him the best food, large meal, heavy drinks. Uh, then I took him into my upper room and I stripped him naked, hung with ropes, did some horrible stuff to him. Uh, and then I comforted him and then I killed him either by decapitation, slit his throat, dismember it, neck break. Sometime if I'm feeling festive, I'll, I'll kiss them and, uh, and I'll sit on their chest and fucking laugh at them while they die. Uh, and then afterwards I like to cut up their, uh, cut up their bodies and look at their internal organs. It gives me great delight. And like, I think everybody else is like, <laughs> <laughs> That's what. Do that's, you see what yeah, we're saying? The, the hand goes out and goes. There it is. They present it to you. Burn him alive. If anyone deserves it, it's him. I present it to you in an invisible handful. There you go. It's a handful of horrifying evidence. So speaking of evidence, the testimony. A lot of what Scott just said. Um, yeah, I'm not making shit up. Yeah, yeah. That's that's actually stuff that that's in the in the testimony. Uh, they, they parents said that they sent their children, like I said, to DeRay to ask for food. These children were never seen again. Um, accomplices had lurid descriptions to give of the killings. Victims were dismembered, beheaded, had their throats slit, or their necks broken with what's called with what's called a special sword. And I have no idea what to make of that. I think that's probably a sword you just. Uh... The the pedophilia sword. The pedophilia sword. This is my child killing sword. Yes. I don't use it for anything else. So don't no. Don't you dare. Don't you dare kill a full grown. That man sword that. is for our guest. You will use the other swords <laughs> in the bathroom closet. You do not touch that sword. 
So, and not to mention, there is a testimony of a whole lot of sexual stuff happening, uh, both before and after death. Yeah. So, um... They got rid of the bodies by burning them in the fireplace, and then Sometimes hiding them around various... I mean, he had multiple castles to hide bodies. It's like Easter, but with bodies instead of eggs. You ever, you ever have that Easter where, like, we put out... We put out 48 eggs, but we only found 47. And then three months later, you find number 48. <laughs> well, uh, I think Beast and Lisa had, uh, and, and I think Joe was living there at the time. I'm not sure who was living there. Maybe Brian was living there. Um, but they had, um, instead of a, an Easter egg hunt, an Easter beer hunt. And, uh, like, months later found, like, a warm Czechoslovakian beer, like, you know, like, behind the couch or something like that. That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> just imagine that with, like, a child's body. Oh, <laughs> you just made a fun thing bad. Yeah, I did. So That's uh, what I do. There were um, two French clerics who testified that DeRay tried to learn alchemy, as we know, and demon summoning. Uh, tried to summon a demon repeatedly and once used the body part... Of a child for a summoning. Um, one biographer. This picture, Barrigal. I ain't fucking going near that. Yeah, that's that's not my deal. I'm like I I'm chill, and I party, but that is not my kind of party. You cannot use a penis as a magic wand. No, no, stop that. That is not in. The I'm gonna book. be over here on the boat drinking my cosmopolitan, <laughs> and and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pretend like you never said that. I'm gonna pretend like you never said that you were gonna use a penis as a magic wand. You and fuck- I just said that really fast, so you get it out there. But be, I didn't hear that. What What did you say? I don't know anything about you using a penis as a magic wand. You fucking wonder why I don't show up. There's fucking pe- severed penises everywhere. I mean, God, clean the place up a little bit. Jesus, Jesus. have some respect. Ow, that for burned your- whenever I said it. That <laughs> fucking burned when I said it. <laughs> so, one biographer uh, said that he committed, quote, the abominable and execrable sin of sodomy in various fashions and with unheard of perversions that cannot presently be expounded by reason of their horror, but that will be disclosed in, in Latin at the appropriate time and place, end quote. What the hell, may I ask? Is that <laughs> We're allowed to say it in Latin. <laughs> yeah, we can only say it but not in French. Latin. Um, and the, the judge supposedly did have the worst stuff stricken from the record. I mean, honestly, who here isn't guilty of sodomy? <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, there was no physical evidence presented at the actual trial. No, no actual, like, you know, someone coming forth with something, no, any, any blood, any bodies, none of that. Um, just witnesses that reported having found physical evidence years before. So that's a slight hitch in, in the works here. He, they threatened him with excommunication four times. And that was a big deal. Like, they threatened him with the excommunication because he wouldn't swear an oath to the testimony that had been provided. So I guess people make their testimony against you and then you have to say, you know, yes, that is true. And he's like, no, I'm not saying that. Remember, in this society, in this day and age, torture is preferable to excommunication. Yeah, torture is temporary. Excommunication means your soul burns in hell for all eternity. Yeah. Then so they're like, no, you, you can no torture. Torture's fine. That's fine. And look at some of the artwork, the religious artwork from that period. It's not easy to get into heaven. Mm-mm. Just Mm-mm. look at the artwork. The artwork is filled. Hey, this is what hell is. Look at this. There's a three penis devil just reaping people left and right. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's some of it's fucking nightmarish. Yeah, Hieronymus Bosch comes to mind. Yeah, for some reason, I'm pretty yeah. sure that he has some pretty hellish stuff. So yeah, four times they threatened him with the excommunication, and then they actually did excommunicate him on October thirteenth, fourteen forty. They said you have two days, and two days later he pled in tears for them to revoke it. And they did, as far as I know, there's never really specific. I just assumed that they did because they still needed a confession. So they were like, okay, torture? We'll try torture. Uh-huh. We gave you back your soul, but temporarily, you know, something temporary? Yeah, yeah. This soul is on loan from the Vatican. Yeah, yeah. This is yours for now. And then he basically spills his guts. Um, not, not physically, not, not literally, uh-uh. So he confesses that his servants or his cousin would kidnap children for him. He would then ritualistically torture and kill them. And of course, there's some uh, sexual abuse in there too, like I said before and after. And uh, he says dozens of children. And we can we can say possibly dozens of dozens. They're, the numbers vary wildly. Somewhere between 12 and 600. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's crazy how... The gap there in in the possible numbers. Um, his sentence. Do you have anything more to add to confession stuff? No, okay. no, no. You you did a great job. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I appreciate your compliments on how I how I deliver discussions of uh, children being ritualistically tortured and killed. It's my job. <laughs> Just doing my job. So his sentence is death by simultaneous burning and hanging and this really i just sat there and i was like what Uh," and then i found a description and by the way his his manservants uh henry henry and or whatever his name was they were also sentenced to death uh by the same means um so basically uh deray asked to be first to die of the three of them made a little speech before the execution was very pious he talked about salvation and so what they do is they have a platform for the hanging. They pile brush on it, hang him, and light the brush all at once. So this has to be choreographed. It's basically, are you, are you ready with the match? Because I'm got i going to kick gonna... the stool any second. Now, now, do I drop the match on three, or is it like one, two, three, match? You know, we have talked about this and talked about this. It is always on three, dude. I don't know how many times I need to tell you. On three means on three. Three. You do hey. the thing on three. Hey, you know what? You weren't here last week, and you know what? Yeah, the guy came in, and it was after three. It was one, two, three, drop. Don't you? You know what? I, I think you're just making up these rules as you go. It's my rules. I make them up. Well, then you should be I'm here. I'm the stool kicker. Do you know how many people the church burns? You need to be here. I'm working sick. I I can't help it if little Suzette had a cold, and needed to go to Le Docteur. <laughs> Did you get I have children to take care of. I'm not just an executioner. I have a life. Where's your wife at doing all this? Dead. It's oh, of the course. 1400s. They're all dead. They're women. They died. You, you know, I hear leeches. I hear, I'm hear. i hearing good things about leeches. You know, you know I, I have heard some good things, too. I'm a little, a little hesitant, but I might give it a try. I, I know. I think it's fantastic the way medicine has really, uh, really uh, surpassed itself in the last couple of years. Um, you know, it, it's 
it's ridiculous. 50 years ago, we would have thought that these people were possessed by demons, but now we know there's a frog or an elf living in her. Exactly. So. It is so comforting to have that knowledge and yeah, to be to be better yeah. and smarter than previous generations. Absolutely. So, moving on. And <laughs> scene. So, yeah, they basically uh, hang him and light the brush all at once on three. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, once he's dead, they immediately put the fire out so that four ladies of high rank can claim the body and, you know, put it to burial. You know, Ethel, this may be the wrong place and wrong time, <laughs> but uh, I'm kind of hungry for barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, Marie. This is, in fact, the wrong place and the wrong time. But yes, I am too. I'm really hungry. <laughs> no, I had, smells great. I had a barbecue sauce last week that was just divine. I like, I like how It the... was to die for i like how the fire like the high heat of the fire as he's hanging over it really sealed the juices in (laughs) okay you know ew i'm moving on (laughs) i am moving on um henriette and plateau the uh manservants they were executed the exact same way but instead of giving them the dignity of a burial they just let them burn and to ash basically um so uh, this was October 26, uh, 1440, and the execution happened in Nantes. We, like we said, the numbers are unknown. We don't know. Could be 100, could be 200, could be 600. We really don't know. He really didn't throw up any drama. Like I said, he gave his little speech, but he wasn't like freaking out or anything between the sentence and the execution. So they were actually held him up as a model of Christian penitence and had a three-day fast after his execution. Think about the way, though, the way modern serial killers appear in court. Mm. Jeffrey Dahmer. yeah. Emotionless, very calm. Uh, Although a lot of them, drugs. Yeah. Yeah, you give them some Valium or some Xanax in order to keep them from having any sort of outbursts. Uh, modern serial killers, they, yes. they tend to be very emotionless in court. Many people do, even if it's not a serial killing. Even if it's like a killing of a, of a spouse or something, you, you do, like, I, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows this. And uh, I, I've been listening to one about a serial, well, a serial killer in Australia. It's the Claremont killings. And he killed several young women. And he's on trial now. This is years later. This was, that all happened in the 90s, I believe. And they're, they're doing, like, day by day the trial as it happens. And they'll talk about his demeanor. And, you know, like, really, he's only been, like, emotionally reacting, like, once. But they're like, oh, he, you know, he, he seems to be taking a lot of notes. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, what they see as piety might just be sociopathy. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is basically what you're saying, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. This is, this is not, this is not... There, this is not forgiveness. This is not, I'm sorry. This is like, eh, I don't care. And giving the speech is, is just a way to cement his legacy as a pious man, you mm-hmm. know, instead of there being any meaning behind it. It's entirely possible. So, the aftermath. Mm-hmm. There were some doubts thrown around. The Duke of Brittany was kind of sort of the prosecutor, and he also got all of DeRay's land after his death. And even sold or gave away some of it before the verdict. That doesn't seem right. Doesn't quite seem right. Doesn't jive what the church would do. No, yes it does. So, (laughs) and then, this this destroys me. For more than 100 years after his execution, parents in Nantes would observe the anniversary. 
by throwing a parade. No, no, I'm just kidding. Whipping their children. No. Whipping their children to remind them that they should be as penitent as the Ray. Yeah, no parades. <laughs> no, no. That would honestly be better. I will take you throwing a very harmless parade in honor of a most likely horrible, horrible man over you abusing children in that man's honor. That's just so... Whoa. Junior, I want you to be just like the man <laughs> that killed your friend two years ago. Remember Jimmy? Jimmy? Remember him? You used to play with Jimmy all the time? And then Jimmy ended up being like some sort of weird decoration in his home? And they tried to summon a, a demon with his penis? You'd be like him. And in you order can... to I implant this, <laughs> I really want to get this information to you. I really want to make sure that this sticks. So, it's the, it's the perfect punctuation to the end of the sentence. A fucking permanent <laughs> scar on your yeah. back. Um, his daughter, DeRay's daughter, Marie, uh, we mentioned her quite a while ago, born in 1429, I want to say. Something like that. Um, um, let me take a look here. She is born uh, right after her mother's kidnap. Yeah, 1429. Hey, look at that. My memory was uh, working there. Um, she had a memorial erected at the execution site. This is just so fucking weird. It's so weird. It eventually became known as a holy altar under St. Anne's protection. Pregnant women would go there to pray for lots of breast milk. So give me that booby juice. I'm going to go to the memorial uh, that is under St. Anne's protection, that is a memorial to a man who uh, everybody says killed possibly hundreds of children and, and tortured them and everything. And I'm going to pray for breast milk. How does that, how does pedophilia and child murder equal breast milk? No, no. The, the connection, there's, there's like several steps missing. In the in the connection between those those several things, it's and it's fun because the the Jackamans tore it down during riots in the late sixteenth century, so it's not even there anymore. Good work, Jackamans, I guess. Yeah, yeah, good work, Jackamans. So uh, and uh, Scott, I'm going to hand it over to you. Oh, because you have this in all caps at the top. <laughs> I of was so happy to see with this an exclamation point. So there was a book written in the early part of the twentieth century called The Witch Cult in Western Europe that hypothesized that Jill DeRuz was a witch. Oh, who could it be? Who could it's, it be? I'm back, everybody! <laughs> it's Margaret Mary! <laughs> well, you, I, I, I don't know what a witch! That's like John Guns! <laughs> Everyone's a witch! You're a witch! He's a witch! Now, obviously, this I'm man, not a witch! I'm not a witch! I'm not a witch, but everybody else is! And everything! Burn it all to the ground! <laughs> See, as we get Margaret Murray, our, this podcast's oh, least favorite Egyptologist and witchologist and whatever the hell all she is. And by the way, there is a picture of a bust of her on her Wikipedia article. You can look it up if you want to, but you can also come to our social media pages because I am putting it up there. Because it is actually, you remember that Lucille Ball sculpture a couple years ago yeah. in Jamestown, New York? They got like all the... It is worse, unless she actually looked like that. But I don't think a face skin can do that. What's happening in this bust? It is horrifying. So you're saying we're going to put a picture up of Margaret Murray's bust? Yes, Ooh. I am. Oh, <gasps> that will keep me warm on cold nights. <laughs> 
Let me perform a fertility rite to the goddess Diana for you. So there and there you have it. That was basically her theory. It was the witch cult hypothesis, which wasn't just a ray. There were other people that she attached this to, but it basically posits that there was an actual quote unquote witch religion, a pagan religious group that made it through the Christianization of Europe. And the witch trials were basically just Christians trying to suppress this religion, persecute the actual witches and pagans. So she's saying, witch trials, you people are saying they weren't actual witches. I'm saying they were witches. And it's it's kind of messed up. Uh, they She said that they worshipped, now it depends on who you ask, either a horned god of fertility, the underworld, the hunter, and the hunted, which is actually part of the Wicca belief system, mm-hmm. And or a Diana-like goddess of fertility, as you said. Um, it seems like in her timeline, like for a while, they worshipped one, then both, and then back to one. I could see because Diana is a hunter. So yeah, yeah, I could yeah. see where the, the, the connection would... is definitely there. Yeah, But everybody else, everybody else with 14 brain cells went, Jesus Christ, Margaret, shut the fuck up. Oh, my favorite thing was, this was in the Wikipedia article about this. Um... Most historians reject Murray's theory, followed by six citations. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that many citations after something in Wikipedia. Somebody was just like, no, one is not enough, two, five is not enough. Six. six. We need six. Can we get 666? Oh, there are that many? Oh, there's witchcraft oh, wow. in my Wikipedia article. <laughs> I, I get the feeling, I get the feeling like Margaret Murray was the Giorgio Tsoukalos. Of her day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was she was definitely something. Saw witches everywhere. everywhere. So nineteen ninety-two. Oh, here it come now. Yes, we have jumped from the fourteen hundreds to the early twentieth century to actual nineteen ninety-two. I mean, let's just for uh posterity's sake or for context's sake, uh let's look up the nineteen ninety-two um top movie. Or movies. Um, popular 1992 movies, uh, A Few Good Men, Basic Instinct, Aladdin, Reservoir Dogs, Unforgiven, Malcolm X, Batman Returns. You get the idea. And uh, you know what the top movies of 1440 were? None. Because uh, that word was probably part of an incantation to summon mm-hmm. Demon Barry. Exactly. <laughs> that whole thing is <laughs> Top Gun, Batman Returns. <laughs> yeah, that was some good yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. Some good shit. Where's the VCR? I think you guys were watching movies. I got the Cosmo. I got my khakis. I got my sandals with socks. <laughs> I am ready. I got my popcorn. Damn, man. I roasted this on the sulfur pits of hell myself. It gives it a delightful pork flavor. So in 1992, they have a retrial of the original DeRay trial. This is so Ridiculous. And the thing is, is that it really depends on who you ask. It's either not official at all or maybe sort of official because it is the court of cassation, which is the highest or cassation, which is the highest court of appeals in France. But then everybody else says it had no official effect or bearing whatsoever. It does nothing. It is organized by, and I'm going to have so much fun with this name, Freemason Jean-Evet Gaud-Brissonnier. It's a 500 years. I sound like a douchebag. This, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm very sorry that like possibly 600 children lost their lives in a horrible way. Mm-hmm. I, and if this didn't actually happen, I'm sorry that three people lost their lives. But it's 
500 fucking years. Yes, exactly. It doesn't matter there anymore. There are so many more important things that are, hap- that are happening in the now back then that they could have concentrated on because you had uh, this Freemason who organized it. The court included former French ministers, members of parliament, UNESCO experts, which UNESCO is the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, all looking over all this evidence. Uh, you had people who were quite important and could have been doing much better things with their time looking at a 500-year-old crime and deciding whether or not it happened. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that they could have been doing some actual good that would have affected someone elsewhere. But, you know, while they're at it, they didn't bother to actually involve or consult a single medievalist at, historian. At this point, leave it for the archaeologists. Yeah, yeah. Leave it for the medievalist. Leave it for the people who are actually experts in this time. Mm-hmm. Leave it for them. But they were like, no, 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 no. And then the jury Just was a, a bunch, bunch of... a bunch of fucking ego stroking is what exactly, it was. Exactly, yeah. The jury, and I put that in quotes, was a bunch of lawyers, writers, and politicians... Again, people who could be spending their time much more wisely, and they found him not guilty. Uh, now, I couldn't, again, source it very wildly, as always, but one source said that the trial turned into a fictionalized biography uh, written by Gilbert Proto, and another said that this fictionalized biography actually spurred on the trial, so I really couldn't tell which was which. But one way or the other, uh, Gilbert Proto wrote a fictionalized biography called Gilles de Ray, or La Guerre de la Loupe. No, sorry. La, la Guerre de Loupe, which is uh, Gilles de Ray, or The Mouth of the Wolf. Um, and he said, I'm pretty sure de is not guilty, but base- everybody who knew him was like, no, this is his thing. He he's being sarcastic. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like do you not get sarcasm? Does he have to put a slash s after it or something? You know, it's all in blue text. Yeah, there you go. Um, and it was basically uh, I don't know, but then we have I wish I oh 2008. Jesus, Cradle of Filth <laughs> comes out with a concept album a concept album called Godspeed on the Devil's Thunder. This entire album is about Gilles de Ray. The entire album. The entire fucking album. And I thought maybe when I read this, I was like, okay, it's probably like you could interpret it that it's about mm-hmm. Gilles de Ray. No, they mentioned his fucking name in the, or there's so track one is like a, three lines of a, a narrator's voice. And track two is the first actual song. They mentioned his name. Right there in the in like the very first verse. So there's no. I immediately was like, oh no, okay, this is actually about Gilles de Ray. It basically posits that Joan of Arc's death broke de Ray and turned him into a murderer. So track two is called "Shad Out of Hell," because of course it is. By the way, Cradle of Filth. If you're an IT Crowd fan, might sound familiar. Hmm. Richmond's favorite band. Ooh. Oh yes, Cradle of Filth. Yes. Who? Uh, Richard Ayodi. No, 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 no. Uh, Richard already played Moss. Uh, Richmond was oh, Noel Fielding. No, oh, yeah, Noel Fielding. I love Noel yeah, he's Fielding. Fantastic. There's a YouTube video of him on a late night show where he talks about uh, an adventure he had when he was on tour at one point, and it is hilarious. Like, if you look up Noel Fielding, it's probably one of the first things you'll see. I'll, I'll try to link it in the social media. We're gonna have such random links in the social media if, if I have time to do it. About seven months ago, I went on a date with a woman. That she didn't have any of her pictures up, but I'll give anyone a shot, right? Mm-hmm. I could not make it through the entire date because she looked like <gasps> old Greg. Oh my god! <laughs> she looked like old Greg, and it was just I can't, I can't be here. 
I can't be here. Like, I just... You're like, all you need is a seaweed hairdo and you're fucking old gray. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I can see you wanting to, wanting to peace out of that. Thank you. So I have some lyrics from Shout Out of Hell. I did not actually listen to this oh, because please. it is the Cradle of Filth is, is a, like a pretty heavy metal, um, dark metal, something like that. And I'm, I'm just not into metal at all. Um, so, uh, the lyrics from Shout Out of Hell, some of them. Far from fairy tale, the coffin and the nail, descending to the pale, under the spell of alchemists who failed, to clench the menstrual grail, yeah, I said it, in a drench of red regaled, he was shat out of hell, shat out of hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is seriously an entire freaking album that, the, that posits the idea that Gilles de Ray was, yes, he was a murderer, but he did it because Joan of, of Arc's death completely broke him. It's so funny. It's just, it's just funny to me. I don't know why I find that funny, but I do. Um, in 2018... My God. Last year, uh, English writer Margot K. Juby, who I am, if she knows what podcasts are, she will be listening to this because she calls herself, you didn't find any of her stuff? I did oh not. Oh my God. She has a whole website. She has a blog going back to 2010. Oh my God. She calls herself Gilles de Ray's representative on earth. Yeah, she uh, self-published a biography of him called The Martyrdom of Gilles de Ray that looked at all the trial transcripts and records, everything she could find that still exists, compared them to bi- the biographies that were written and, and other like facts that we may or may not know are true. And she says in, in an article, uh, quote, it seems impossibly quaint in the 21st century to read a text that fully accepts the validity of an Inquisition trial with the use of torture, end quote. She, like her website is seriously like I couldn't get through everything, and that's actually where I found the Cradle of Filth reference. Because a whole big thing on her website about uh, Gilles de Ray, and I'm scrolling. I'm like, where, how did Cradle of Filth pop up here? What? The, well, I guess I should have just seen it coming. I mean, yeah, really. absolutely. And uh, so supposedly, oh by the way, uh, Margot K. Juby, Juby. Uh, I'm, I'm stuck in French pronunciation, and she's a, she's an English woman, so I'm pretty sure she's English. Um, <laughs> She first saw that uh, portrait of uh, Gilles de Ray when she was uh, early teens, I think okay. she said, and basically thought that he was the most, he was it for her. He was the most handsome man she'd ever seen. So take that as you will. We're not going to discuss it. We're not going to discuss it. Um, uh, one star review on iTunes from uh, MKJ. Here we go. Hey, you know what? It's not hurting anybody. I'm fine with it. Like mm. The woman that married a pirate's ghost, Whatever. There's some chick that married the Eiffel Tower. She'd had an affair with the fence. Yeah. And she actually used Nobody's that. getting hurt. Nobody's getting hurt. It's fine. Whatever. And uh, you know what? Uh, it's just as valid as me sitting there at 12 years old and flipping through Teen Beat and falling in love with Jonathan Brandis. Yeah. Of, of, of Seagate fame, I think it was called. Uh, Sequest. 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 Thank DSV. You. Oh, my God. My sister and I, we just loved that show so much because Jonathan Brandis, you really can't. I well. mean... Ted Raimi for me. <laughs> of course. I mean, I'm not gay. <laughs> but I think Ted Raimi, I think Ted Raimi, I, I, like if I was gay, I'd be attracted to Ted Raimi because <laughs> it's kind of cute, but in a nerdy way, but at the same time, very smart. And, you know, knows Bruce Campbell. So. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's yeah. always a perk. Absolutely. So one last thing. Uh, supposedly, Gilles de Ray other people are also mentioned, but he's supposedly, according to some people, the inspiration for the tale of Bluebeard. Bluebeard murdered his wives, but there is one part in one particular telling of Bluebeard that really seems to match up. Uh, 
and just as Bluebeard's cruel blade was descending on her head, in rushed the brothers with their swords. They cut the murderer down, and saved their sister's life, and gained much glory and renown. And then they all with gold and plate and jewels rare made free, and ever after lived content on Bluebeard's property. Mm. That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's... Uh, do you have anything else? I do not. I do not. That is uh, Gilles de Ray, subject of a Cradle of Filth 2008 concept album, possible inspiration of Bluebeard, and protector of Joan of Arc, and also probably murderer of children. Cradle of Filth are nothing but witches! <laughs> I know that I can get on board with. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah. Yeah, we are, as a matter of fact, Margaret. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> How do you think we got Noel Fielding to say our <laughs> name? Exactly. Noel Fielding's a witch, too. I knew it! <laughs> so, yeah, that is uh, that. So, what you got going on this weekend? This weekend, I am actually watching an old TV show about an alien invasion called Threshold. Ooh. The only reason being... <laughs> I was speaking to a buddy of mine mm-hmm. and we were talking how would we do a gritty reboot of Pinky and the Brain <laughs> and we decided that Pinky and the Brain would be best if it was about two bank robbers and they're humans they're not mice anymore and Pinky would be played by Brent Spiner of Star Trek and he'd be an albino hence the Pinky name oh yeah yeah and then the brain would be Peter Dinklage. Oh, I love it. And then a buddy of mine said, you know, Brent Spiner and Peter Dinklage were in a TV show together. Oh, my God. And it was called Threshold about this alien invasion. So oh my I'm God. watching I'm watching this whole thing of like Peter Dinklage and Brent Spiner going like, God damn it. This would make a good pinky in the brain. That is fantastic. I so love it. I'm going to be finishing up the one and only season of Threshold. I don't understand why it only lasted one season but there you are how about you buddy um i'm probably gonna be doing some prepping for christmas uh and i'm working on a cross stitch for somebody that i've started to face reality that i may not have done in time (laughs) okay i'm sure they'll understand yeah yeah they'll definitely understand but uh, i'm learning my lessons I, i didn't really look closely at the project I didn't see that it was 10 inches tall by like four inches wide. And that, when you're doing teeny tiny X's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of teeny tiny X's. So I'm going to be, uh, next year, I'm going to learn from my experiences. And I'm going to give people a little simpler gifts. I'm going to make them a little simpler. Um, I'm, I'm doing this because, A, I really enjoy the cross-stitching. Mm-hmm. B, I, I think giving somebody something handmade that speaks to them that is, uh, you know, like you you made and picked out with them in mind is is a, a great gift and you know see saving money really i mean thread is like 56 cents for a, a skein of floss and i only i'm only using like 10 of them or something like that maybe even fewer than that by the way skein of floss great name for a death metal band yes that's skein really of floss good. and skein cradle of, of filth <laughs> touring with god smack and god head and they smack god in the head tour surprisingly hierarchy of evil is also open yeah yeah <laughs> So, yeah, um, going to be doing a lot of cross-stitching, prepping for Christmas, all that fun stuff. And, yeah, that's pretty much uh, it. I'm, I'm not going to get back into school mode uh, uh, unless I have to, like anything I have to do. I'm not going to no, do that until, like, after New Take Year's. a break from that shit. Yeah, yeah, I need I need a mental break. So, so yeah, that's what I'm, I'm doing. And, 
Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I love cross-stitching. I, I get through a lot of podcasts. <laughs> so I actually started like run out, and I was like, what do I listen to? Oh, my God. But I found more. I've, I've got True Crime podcast databases linked on my phone that I'm nice. like, oh, yeah, I'll just look on there. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, that one sounds good. Let's give that a try. So, so yeah. Um, so that's what I'll be doing this weekend. And, uh, yeah, this is going to air after Christmas. But we would like to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Solstice for our pagan friends. Solstice. A very merry Saturnalia. Kwanzaa. Uh, whatever you celebrate, or if you don't celebrate uh, anything at all, we just hope you have a wonderful day and wonderful night and wonderful life. Um, so, yeah, please enjoy yourself. Spend time with your family and friends. Um, and just... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Don't murder children, I yeah. guess. How about that? How about for this for this Christmas Saturnalia, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, uh, solstice? Don't murder any children. If no. you're gonna have to sacrifice something, sacrifice a six pack. There you go. Sacrifice a nice bottle of wine. And I don't mean six children. <laughs> so yeah, um, don't forget to follow us on our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit as Old Timey Crimey. Please, please, please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, follow us on, on Spotify. Come on, Stitcher, review us wherever you can. If you can rate and review us, we'd really, really appreciate it. It really, truly helps. Um, uh, it's And we're really, you know, making a go of this, and, and every little bit counts. Don't forget our Patreon, patreon.com slash oldtimeycrimey, where you can be a flat foot. You can be a gumshoe. You can be a... Private dick. And we have lots of different bonuses for you there as well. Uh, those of you who are perceptive or just stumbled upon it will have noticed that you already had a little mini episode of Old Timey Crimey called Old Tiny Crimey this week in your feed as a little holiday gift for you out of the kindness of our hearts. We made it ourselves. That's the kind of stuff you can expect on the Patreon in addition to other bonuses. If you're not the long-term relationship kind of person, we get it. We really do. You can be our one night stand. Just send a little uh, whatever cash, even a dollar helps. Anything really. Just leave it on the nightstand. Leave it on the nightstand at oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com on PayPal. Huge thank you going out to our friends on the Killer Babe podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, they're they're running an ad for us, and we're running an ad for them. It's a little, you know, like quid pro quo. <laughs> honestly, I I am so so pleased to announce our new sponsor, uh, Lash Binder. Yes, yes, we're very excited. Uh, I'm excited beyond belief. I I love a company that speaks to me personally mm -hmm. and just the fact that they're helping cancer patients. Cancer has taken a lot of my family, my mother, my sister, aunts, uncles, cousins. Uh, cancer has taken a lot of my family. Any, any company that does something to do the fight against it, no matter how minuscule or how massive it might be, I am right there with them and I couldn't be more pleased mm -hmm. to welcome them aboard. Yes, absolutely. So, so yes, thank you. Uh, thank you again to Lashbinder and uh, to Cassandra McClure. So, all right. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and, and we hope you have a great holiday. And we will see you next week with something we haven't picked out yet. No, we have not. And we will soon. And I think it's my week to pick. I think it is. All right. Yay. All right. So, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.
My sources this week are Encyclopedia Britannica, Wikipedia, of course, uh, Margot K. Ruby of uh, gilderaywasinnocent.blogspot.com, Sonia Vitomsky, uh, an article on Atlas Obscura, uh, an article on All That's Interesting, and an article by Tim Flight on History Collection. There will be links to all these in the show notes. I, uh, yeah, this is weird. Because Wikipedia, Britannica, Atlas Obscura, and all that's interesting. Oh, there you go. So I don't, I don't even need to listen to yours and try and type them down real fast. I no. Just, when, I, when I do the show notes, I can just take my stuff and that's it. There it is. Yeah, there, there it is. We go. Perfect. Right. Fantastic. Love it when it works. We don't. We didn't plan this. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't do that. We, we, we research completely independently. This is weird. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like those were necessarily, I don't think those were necessarily the top five or anything like that like i think like wikipedia and britannica were like the top two mm-hmm. but then the other ones were kind of scattered a little bit yeah one yeah. of them might have even been on like the second page of the the google yeah so we need to funny. stop hanging out <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> we have the same brain now <laughs> absolutely nuts and i hate it uh but yeah it's been stuck in my head and then we had the the fire truck you know that, that goes around our township has one that apparently uh plays very loud music that sounds like tone deaf children singing christmas songs and uh, it was very slowly going around uh our, our block and without the leaves on the trees and the and with the valley and everything echoes are huge so it was like 15 minutes straight of hearing that and i was like oh it's the fucking earworm express <laughs> god damn it oh you thought you could escape no <laughs> we're here i love christmas but this season has my two worst enemies holiday songs that become earworms and cinnamon <laughs> so on cinnamon? i'm allergic to it oh okay yeah